Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. As we always do on a Monday, we have someone in to go through some stories that caught their eye uh, over the course of the weekend today. It's Jen Hogan from the Irish Times. Afternoon, Jen. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, I suppose the, the the first story you've chosen about the dropout rate in university plus the mental health mm. is not really a huge surprise, I would have thought. Not a shocker at all, I suppose. It's just the chickens coming home to roost. Is that is that the cliche? I mean, cliches aren't really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's, I suppose it's that. The, it's that really happening. And uh, we were just chatting there. I have uh, a child in third level, so. I suppose I had a vested interest in this. I was reading this and just thinking how different their experience of third level was to, to what I had. Mm. And I mean, the figures in yesterday or in Saturday's Irish Times, uh, Carl O'Brien was writing about it and he was talking about um, the fact that students are feeling isolated, disconnected and lonely. The dropout rates are up above pre-pandemic levels and even things like the option to continue online, which, you know, it's great in terms of accessibility and stuff, but it has perhaps discouraged students from going into into their lectures yeah, and yeah. engaging and re-engaging. And when you think about it, like all, all throughout the pandemic, I mean, I argued certainly children weren't a, prior, a priority and teenagers perhaps even less so than the younger children. And then we got to the young adults and did anyone think of them at all? No, it was just a case of suck it up, you're a grown up now and get on with it. But I mean, these were these are really important experiences in, in uh, young adults' lives, kind of formative experiences. And, and they've been changed hugely and it's really sad to think you know that we are seeing now we are seeing this increase in mental health challenges in young adults that we are seeing that kind of loneliness that they're speaking about when often college is that time for for um, young people who maybe they didn't find their tribe in school and yeah. perhaps they'll find them there in college only they didn't have the opportunities to and and it's usually shorter it's a, it's often a shorter period of time than school and so that interruption was even more significant and uh, yeah so we're seeing we're seeing an increase in dropout rates and the financial pressure of the cost of living as well is having a big impact too because now this part I did struggle with a little bit because when I went to college I'm from Tallaght originally and I went to UCD and I used to have to get the bus into town and then the 10 number 10 or the 46A or whatever out so mm. I spent longer commuting than many of my friends who lived in Kildare or sometimes even Carlow like it was yeah. just that <laughs> coming from Tallaght it took me just awkwardness to get in there but they were talking about the financial pressures which meant students had to stay at home and so they aren't getting to engage in college life completely and I could totally relate to that but uh, some of that, I suppose, goes with the goes not goes with territory, and I don't mean this to sound unsympathetic, but I suppose these these are problems that have existed since people have gone to college. Not it's not an equal. All things are not equal. All people are not equal. All situations are not equal, um, and it's not without consequence. You know, you do miss out on the college experience if you're not able to go out at night time, or you're not able mm. to engage in the societies and clubs because you're not fr- not as free because you're restrained by um, a commute, or perhaps you have a job and you have to get back to that. And that's something else I definitely noticed that's different again with the third level student. A lot more students seem to work now going through college, and I was in college. In the olden days, I, I did work, but the it, I was in the minority. I was all my most of my friends weren't working, and the f- difference in the freedom levels that they had because they weren't they weren't running back to a job or they weren't expected to be up early the next morning for work, perhaps at the weekend. But that's that's changed too, and perhaps again, maybe over the course of the pandemic, it's something that young people maybe that might not perhaps have taken up part time work did because it was otherwise they were trapped in their bedrooms completely. Anyway, all these things have led to students having. A a very, very different college experience yeah. and dropping out in, in higher numbers than you'd like to see. Yeah, but you'd imagine, I mean, notwithstanding the, the effect of the pandemic, yeah. 
the 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 housing crisis and uh, and the accommodation yeah. crisis that that's going to have an ongoing yeah. effect on students. So they just simply won't. Yeah. Or they may well decide I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, so, when you, we, no we, college at all. No college at all because I mean you, we've read of students driving huge distances from other counties mm. into their college. I mean that's not that's not sustainable. And also you're running your car into the ground there as well, or your parents' car. You have yeah. to fund that too, depending whose it is. But it's just the, the cost of living crisis, not only in terms of the housing the housing crisis, but even just the everyday things, the every like groceries, the, the getting by, all the different things that uh, I suppose you take for granted when you're living at home with your mum and dad but that you perhaps have to work out how to fund if, you, if, you tr- if you're lucky enough to find accommodation somewhere. So it's a bit grim, it's a bit grim reading um, but I suppose it's, it's important that we do acknowledge that because I think largely those uh, students have been overlooked for a long time again because they're grown-ups and we've just expected them to suck it well, up. Well, that's true and it, the evidence, the mounting evidence seems to be they're the generation that have been hit the hardest yeah. in various respects by all of in this. In so much. Like, I mean, that's it. When you when you think they're, you know, they've had a really difficult, many of them coming out of school, didn't get to finish um, secondary school. College has been totally different to what they expected. They're looking down the road going, am I ever going to be able to afford a house? What's a permanent pensionable job? I heard of them in the old days. Mm. And everything is, is a little, is so unstable. The climate emergency, you name it, everything is staring down the lens of them. So yeah, they have been really, really hard hit. So anyway, I think we, I think this is, is one that it was important to I'm glad to see it getting the attention because I do think our students have been overlooked. And even even going back to the exams, actually, that was really interesting because um, for for a lot of students, they haven't they've been doing the exams online, and, and there was talk of how difficult they were finding it now to go back to doing in person exams. For some yeah. of them, maybe haven't done it since they did their leaving cert, and back to doing in person exams for some students this year, and all that, all those sort of things that uh, we kind of forgot about that were just the norm. That's what you did every year, and now it's getting back to that and getting back. To, it's and it's harder, you know if you're a couple of years into your college experience getting to know people and is it worth it is it worth joining the societies when you're on the way out of college anyway with the, maybe you might have started it in first year or maybe um, you did start and they all got the plug was pulled because everybody had to college from home it's been um yeah, it's a bit, bit sad for them. Yeah, and, and you know, it always struck me as well for for third level. Like if you're if you're going to th- if you're from Dublin or you're from Galway, yeah. or f- you're from Cork, you're probably gonna you know you would have in a- everything was equal would have remained living at home, but you also would have had friends yes, that you went to school exactly. with. Exactly. Whereas if you're from outside, yeah. if you know if you're from another part of the country and you have to move yeah. there or and whatever, you're trying to find, and you're trying to find people, yeah. then that's that they've made it all but impossible. They have. Really. They've made it really difficult. Um, and that's it. Like that's it. That's exactly it. You don't even have. You don't even have your your firm tribe that you have from home because yeah. you're you're trying to find your feet everywhere. That's it's very depressing. It's exactly. funny. It's funny. <laughs> like it's odd the way like things have changed. Kind of into like when I was going to college. Yeah. I can remember a few years afterwards, uh, somebody telling me that UCD, they had to start putting in, you know, parking spots for the students. Oh, I, yeah, and there was a lot of, well, in my day, you know. But at the same time, in my day, it was unthinkable that you wouldn't get a come Even if it was crappy yeah. accommodation, yeah. you would have got a bed set or, yeah. you know, you shared flats yeah. or houses or whatever with people. That somewhere. was the norm. You'd yeah. find somewhere and you just can't do that yeah. now. I mean, it's just, I don't know how parents imagine. Like we, I remember when we moved up, um, when I bought my first house, I moved out, moved down to Kildare and we moved back up to Dublin because both of us were working in Dublin and we had my daughter at the time and we're spending so long commuting. Uh, my husband wasn't seeing her at all. We moved back to Dublin and I, I took a little while to settle back and I thought maybe I should just move back out. I, I 
Kyle liked living in Kildare. And I remember Paul trying to convince me to stay in Dublin. He said, yeah, well, of course, you know, when she goes to college, she'll be able to stay at home. But the thing he said, <laughs> that one thing was what kept me there for good. But it is like it's that trade off with your Dublin mortgage versus perhaps a more affordable, bigger house further down the country. But I, I was there looking to the future going, well, look, if, if I have kids who want to go to college, at least they can live at home. But like the condition is attached to them. You have to go to Dublin in college because I just couldn't. I yeah. couldn't afford to yeah. go beyond that. You just have to find your course. At least they've got lots of options in Dublin, I suppose. Uh, and the Lucky second story, I suppose, is, is affecting pretty much the same age group, really, or maybe people yeah. who are a little bit older because any possibility of finding love or anything has been put on pause for yeah. a couple of years. Dating post-pandemic. I was reading this. This is um, written by Philomena Kaguaku in the Irish Times and she spoke to a load of therapists about dating in post-pandemic times and she said, and the therapists were saying that people are absolutely desperate to meet partners now and she did, um, the pe- point was raised about the fact that young people also, now it's affecting all the ages but again, young people, particularly new adults, they hadn't had that chance to, you know, have maybe first proper relationships, you know, because they weren't supposed to be meeting anybody and so they didn't really know how to date. They weren't sure like how to do this properly because they weren't in school and they weren't going out places and um, that was all different. But they, what she, what was pointed out was that the two years have actually mattered more. It depended what age you were. So for say women and it was largely women who came back to the different surveys. Mm. Um, for women in their 50s the two years didn't matter so much. For women in their 30s there was no escape in their biological clock. And so they were hugely concerned. And so now people are desperate. That is basically how they were described. Desperate to to be in relationship. Really keen to try and make up for lost time. Apparently men and women are spending 10 hours a week swiping left, swiping right, trying to... uh, Yeah, because this is how people meet now. Uh, Swiping left and right, deciding who is, uh, who they, who's suitable. And people have become an awful lot fussier as well. So there's no more humour in people. If you're not the right person, we don't have time. We lost two years. Off you go. That's the end of it. And they're not, they're not dating a lot of people at the same time which was all news to me I didn't realise people were doing that, that but well, that's were. a relatively new thing it's a kind of an American thing yeah, yeah we're not Ireland. exclusive <laughs> you know but apparently this but it wasn't even just bad news for the singletons it was bad news for the couples too because couples aren't having as much sex as they were in the pre-pandemic times either why not? because they're all sick of the sight of each other <laughs> they're red up there's no mystery apparently when you're working at home with your partner okay, all the time so you're fed yeah. up uh, we were also we went into um, survival mode and that apparently is a libido killer but the mystery the mystery was a big thing of you know oh you're excited to see them when they come in they're still there they were always there no matter where oh god yeah so yeah that was a bit, it was a bit well then for the people who were dating that's, that's, that's a positive result because you know you could I would have thought that maybe some people might think time is running out yeah. and they might be getting a bit desperate you know, yeah. uh, if uh, especially if the person says in their thirties and feels they'd like to perhaps have, to have be a family at a certain stage. Yeah, that was it, that was it because the women actually pointed out. I think it was a sixty-three percent of women said that there was actually an expectation on women to settle down before you get too old. So there's still that spinster thing there. There's oh still, yeah, like it's 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 funny. But what was also notably absent was the number of men who felt this way. It was really a woman's concern. It was really women who were thinking that yeah, way. Yeah, but I'm sure men do think I'm that sure way. They do, yeah, but they don't just don't say it. Don't share. That's it. Yeah. That's where you have it's that thing that maybe they're a bit quieter about it. But I'm sure they have. I'm sure lots of men had similar worries too. You know, it was hard. It was hard. It was very difficult for people to meet. It's still difficult for people to meet. Yeah, men can hide behind the kind of I'm a player type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm old enough to remember when people said bachelor, they were implying something <laughs> by that. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be the word we'd use for gay uh, back in the day. Now you're also now this is a piece by Stephanie Presner, but but it's it's more about 
apps like Track My Friends or yeah. Track My Kids and Big Brothery stuff. Do you have any of those things for your kids oh, you so don't. you know where they are? No, I don't. And um, I was reading her column with interest. She was chatting about her husband and that she had tried to contact her husband and she said he always has the phone on him and wasn't able to get through. Um, or sorry, she didn't hear back from him. I think three hours lapsed and she panicked and so she actually went into his workplace looking for him and nobody thought to check his calendar. <laughs> and mm. Had they done, they would have seen he was in a meeting. But she, uh, she said she was completely freaked out by the fact that she couldn't see him and had she thought about it she would have tra- tracked my friends is that what the or yeah track my friends there's a few, varieties, the there's a few different yeah. varieties yeah. yeah she'd have ch- uh, thought to ch- check her tra- track my friends app and then she could have seen where he was and she was just talking about the different ways that she could track him with say the doorbell and the car and different things like that and all the ways I suppose the big brother is watching that we often don't think about and she got into the whole idea of tracking kids and you know that for her you know the maybe when she was talking about her, in her case it wasn't about control it was about you know managing her anxiety uh, about knowing that everything's okay and that he's safe and all sort of stuff like that and then she talked about doing it with children and I was thinking about it because actually a lot of teens seem to track each other there's the, they use these apps a lot and Snapchat oh, I know right. for example not being really on not being on it myself but Snapchat for example apparently tells you where your pals are or certain apps also that they use social media apps tell them where their pals are and they check it and somebody who they haven't seen in two years they'll be going oh yeah she's over in Spain now at the moment or whatever and they just think they quite willingly and happily sign up to this and have no bother with them it's kind of a convenience thing from what I can gather so you know if you're late or if if your your mate's already there and you're going to be in trouble because you're running late or you don't want to be the first to arrive who's around are they nearly there yet so it was that kind of a advantage in terms of... But everybody can see around the corner waiting for somebody else to show up. (laughs) Yeah, it was about avoiding perhaps a bit of social awkwardness. But again, I suppose when you're reading anything to do like that with kids, I was thinking of my own and how might this work with my kids? And I haven't tracked them. And I hate the idea of being tracked myself. Yeah, me too. It really, like, I mean, I'm not going anywhere beyond the supermarket and the school, really. Mm. That's about as exciting as it gets into news talk, obviously. Today, there we go. That's a big day out, yeah. (laughs) Unexpected Mm. action. (laughs) So, uh, uh, on my tracker app but besides that there, you know there's not, nothing exciting happening in my life but I still hate the idea of it I would hate the idea that I was being tracked so I don't no I don't track the kids but I do know some of their friends parents track them and it has I'll, I'll admit it has come in handy because I have this child and he just he tells you he's going outside and he's going to be in front of the house for five or ten minutes and going your dinner's ready in ten minutes no yeah yeah I'll be back in I'll be back in and two hours later like there's, he's no, not only is has he not come back for his dinner he's not in front of the house and then I'm like mother of the year into the WhatsApp groups going has anyone seen my son again <laughs> <laughs> you know and he just so it, it has proven handy where a mum has maybe popped up and said oh hang on I think he's with my lad uh, hang on I just see where they are on the track app <laughs> and I've been told where they are and um, then I can you know you can nearly freak. hunt them down yeah you can you can go that somebody told me you were there and you shouldn't be but yeah the, we, I like the, the we have one of those or we got one of those mm. like video doorbell things which yeah. are kind of handy Yeah, but it's a conversation killer because you can't say you know who called over today yeah I know yeah. I, saw, I saw them on the <laughs> yeah. thing but we, you know it's great conversations in our WhatsApp group our neighbourhood WhatsApp group because there's all suspicious activity reported by the doorbell going oh no that was just me dropping in that letter that was me directed I know to the yeah wrong you can restrict it because <laughs> yeah. I used to go nuts anytime but like somebody yeah. walked down the street kind of thing it's, it's, it's but also it's good for you know uh 
screening. Like one, no, like one of my daughters was like uh, um, supposed to be minding the dog yeah. and said, can I just go out for an hour? I said, oh, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And like came back at three in the morning. So, yeah, but we weren't there, do. but we knew, you know. Your own kind of tracking. Yeah. Oh, a little bit of tracking there. That can be that can be a little bit. Yeah. I suppose. The, and also the, the, the piece you chose about um, mental health kind of ties in with a mm. lot of the things we've been talking about as well. Do you think maybe the, 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 the taboo or the stigma has gone a little bit that maybe people are a bit more inclined? Because it just I noticed yeah. that during the pandemic, people yeah. would go on Twitter and say, I'm not having a good, good day yeah. today. Yeah. I mean, you'd love to think so, wouldn't you? You'd love to. I, I was reading, this is Kira's piece, yeah. Kira Kelly's piece on the Cindo, and she was talking about, um, you know, when people tell you they're not feeling good, you know, or they're not feeling great, trust them. It's the people who perhaps tell you I'm grand are the ones that maybe mm. to be a little bit more aware of those who kind of put on the, the happy face and, and still get on about their business but are, are a bit broken inside and still and feeling low. And I, you, I mean, you'd like to think that the stigma has gone and plenty, I think it really depends. You know, it's it's one thing a celebrity and while it's hugely admirable when a celebrity comes out and talks about their own mental health struggles, there's a certain power in being a celebrity, both in, in terms of empowering others to have a an important conversations and but there's also a certain security in your celebrity status as yeah, well so yeah. there's a, there's a difference there for for the average joe soap to tell somebody that they're struggling mentally you have to be careful, I suppose, who it is that you're talking to. There's that fear, that fear still, because the, that worry about will I be viewed as incompetent, incapable. I remember talking to a mum before and her telling me that she was really struggling and she was afraid to open up because when you're that vulnerable and you're feeling so poorly, um, she was afraid of her children being taken away from her. And it was something. Oh, God. It was something I could relate to because after I had my own children, I, I struggled with my, with postnatal depression. And mm. now I was deeply ashamed of this. You know, it, it took me a long, long time to actually talk about it and even admit it, especially because I had so many kids because I felt like they'd be wondering, why do you keep having kids then, you know, if, Aww, if it keeps happening? Yeah, There's this yeah. whole thing. So, so while we have, you know, we do perhaps in theory, we're, we're more open to it. I don't know, do we cut ourselves enough slack too in admitting to it? Because you still feel, I know I felt like, oh, this is my weakness. I'm going to have to confess my weakness that I actually mentally wasn't great after having the kids. And I fooled everybody. I mean, I remember on my um, charts, you know, the after you have the babies and you have your, your charts and, and it kicked in immediately for me, particularly with my eldest. And they were writing, oh, mum, independent care. And I was a young mum. So they were kind of watching, was, was I managing um, her okay? And um, Mum independent with care, um, perfectly fine, happily managing. And I was there reading all this and I was thinking, oh, what have I done? What have I done? And like, I was thrilled to be a mother, but I could not, I couldn't shake this sadness. And, and even when I'd have, when I had number seven, I mean, I was there, my seventh child. I should know, I knew what to expect. I knew everything yeah. had passed, but I was down in, um, I remember being down in Dunn's one day and having a few of the kids, but not having all seven of them. I'd have to leave. I'm going to cry because people are going to think, why is she gone? Why doesn't she have all seven of them with her? With her? Obviously, she can't cope. Nobody was looking at me. Nobody even knew how many kids I had. Nobody yeah. cared. Nobody cared. And anyone who might have thought about it would be thinking, of course, she wouldn't have seven with them. She doesn't have a death wish. Like, why yeah. did she take them all into a supermarket? But it was this this whole, I suppose, irrational way I was thinking. I was so critical of myself when I was feeling poorly. And I don't think it was easy for me to admit. I don't think it's necessarily easy for people to admit when they do have mental health struggles and when they go through that time. It's easy for me to say it now because now I feel sure, fine yeah. and now I'm grand. 
and that mm. time has passed. But I can understand why it's difficult for people. And I would have put on this sort. Everybody would have thought, happy go lucky, Jen. She's grand. She's, you know, she's not a bother to her. You know, I don't know how she does it. The super mum thing when people say that, particularly if you have a large family. It's nearly like an additional pressure. So I think Kira was spot on there. I think she was dead right. And I think we do have to, if somebody comes out and it's a bit like, you know, when you hear the comment, I, and I've heard it a few times from from parents who tell me that maybe older generations might say, Ash, you can get diagnosed with anything these days. You know, particularly if a child mm. is diagnosed with additional needs. Asher, everybody has a bit of something, don't they? Has, you know, that kind of ignorant comment where you hear that sometimes around the whole area of mental health. Asher, you know, everybody's a bit down, you know, everybody's mm. depressed or everybody has anxiety. A little bit dismissive of it. And it makes it harder for people to have genuine conversations about it and have open and honest conversations about it because if you're not that celebrity and you don't have that security of status there is that fear how will society as a whole accept me how will my job will people think I'm not capable yeah. of doing my job you're, you're opening up about your vulnerabilities and we don't tend to perhaps share our physical health that that situation with strangers is openly so Mental health is still health. It's not as easy to... Oh, well, no, absolutely. If you had, a, like, a twisted ankle, you uh-huh. wouldn't feel guilty about it or, you know, it was your own fault or, or you know, that, that weight, all that kind of weight, additional weight that goes with it. No. If it's a mental health issue, but you might too often tied into a person feeling that somehow there's something, it's a moral failing. Somehow. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a weak, it's a weakness. You don't yeah. worry that you have a weak ankle, but you worry yeah. you have a weak mind. Maybe that's what it is. And it is. Yeah. So the stigma is going, it's going, but it's not completely gone yet. I think, I think, uh, yeah. Jen, to go. Uh, thanks a million for coming even. into us. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, Jen Hogan there uh, from the Irish Times. Let's uh, remind you what's in the cash machine. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.